0: Inequality globally is getting worse over time, not better. Oxfam, the international humanitarian organization, published a report that found that the richest 1% of the world took two-thirds of global wealth since 2020, twice as much as earned by 99% of the population. And if you look at the economic gap between poor countries, emerging and developing countries concentrated in the global south, and the rich colonial countries in the global north, if you remove China from the data, that you, you can see that in the past 20 years, there basically has been no change in the economic gap between rich and poor countries. When you add China to that gap, you can see that it looks like inequality globally is getting better over time, but that's because China has a different economic model, and that brings us to the kind of new Cold War and the aggressive trade war and tech war policies that the U.S. has been waging against China. First, I I'm going to talk about the expansion of the BRICS block, which consists of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa in a summit in South Africa in August, the BRICS officially invited six new countries to join what will now be the extended BRICS Plus bloc. Those included Ethiopia, Egypt, Iran, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Argentina. However, in Argentina, a far-right president came to power, Javier Millet, and he announced that Argentina will not be joining BRICS. He is very pro-US and pro-Israel and has taken a very anti-China position and is trying to dollarize his country when many countries are seeking the opposite, de-dollarization. We saw a clear example of this with the BRICS Bank, which is officially known as the New Development Bank. This was created as an alternative to the US-dominated World Bank. And in 2023, the BRICS Bank, the New Development Bank, expanded and added new members, including Argentina, Saudi Arabia and Zimbabwe, although it's likely that Argentina is going to leave this as well. And under the leadership of the new president of the New Development Bank, who is the former left-wing president of Brazil, Dilma Rousseff, she also announced that the BRICS Bank is de-dollarizing and is trying to give out more lending in local currencies of the members of the BRICS Bank. In a report that I did Analyzing the expansion of the BRICS, I explained how the BRICS is encouraging local trade between bilateral trade between members in local currencies. So China and Russia are trading in the Chinese yuan and Russian ruble. Russia and India are trading using the Russian ruble and the Indian rupee. China and Brazil have de-dollarized their trade and are trading in the Chinese yuan and the Brazilian real. And also, at the same time, the BRICS increasingly represents a larger share of the world economy. Without Argentina, it's still going to represent about 37% of world GDP measured at purchasing power parity. And even more importantly in some ways, the BRICS represents 40% of world global oil production now as it's expanding and roughly one third of world gas production. So they, these countries now in BRICS, especially now that it includes Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, they have the serious potential to challenge the hegemony of the US petrodollar system. Developments like these are why the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, she acknowledged that the world is becoming more multipolar, She said the tectonic plates of geopolitics are shifting faster, and she acknowledged that the dominance of the U.S. dollar is gradually declining. As CNBC put it, calls to move away from the U.S. dollar are growing, although they did acknowledge that the greenback is still king. Yes, the dollar is powerful, but it's not all powerful, and a former economist for the White House Council of Economic Advisors, published an article in Foreign Policy Magazine warning that if BRICS creates a currency for trade, now it's not going to be a currency that all of the countries adopt locally, but if BRICS creates some kind of international unit of account that they can use to settle international trade, he warned in Foreign Policy Magazine that a BRICS currency could shake the dollar's dominance. And by the way, this is exactly what Brazil's left-wing President Lula da Silva has called for. He wants to create a BRICS currency and a Latin American regional currency, a unit of account, in order to facilitate regional trade and investment to challenge the hegemony of the US dollar. Many countries are dropping the dollar in their international trade, including China, Russia, Brazil, India, Also, countries in Southeast Asia, in the ASEAN, Kenya, even the Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which are long-time U.S. allies. That doesn't mean that the hegemony of the dollar is going to disappear overnight, but they're de-dollarizing in particular a lot of their international trade. Well, at the same time, to be fair, the dollar is still dominant in international reserves and in particular in investment. But things are changing there as well. The International Monetary Fund, which is dominated by the U.S., the IMF also acknowledged in 2023 that the dollar share in global central bank foreign exchange reserves has been declining and there has been an increase in the holdings of other currencies like the Chinese renminbi and also the Japanese yen. The IMF estimated that the dollar represents now 59%, of global central bank reserves. That's probably a very conservative estimate. In fact, the prominent economist Stephen Jen, who previously worked at Morgan Stanley and was an expert on currency trading, he estimated in 2023 that the dollar suffered a stunning collapse in the previous year. And the share of global reserves, when you when you adjust for exchange issues the different exchange rates, he estimated that the share of the dollar in global reserves is actually only 47%, less than half of World Central Bank foreign exchange reserves. Western media outlets and governments have been quite funny on this issue because they'll often claim one day that, oh, well, de-dollarization is exaggerated. It's not something you should worry about. But then at the same time, You, If you follow closely, as I did in 2023, you can see important events. Like, for instance, the U.S. Congress held a special hearing discussing de-dollarization and the decline of the exorbitant privilege of the U.S. dollar. I reported on that over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. Now, one of the reasons that so many countries around the world are de-dollarizing and seeking alternatives to the U.S. currency is because the US has increasingly used its currency as a geopolitical weapon. And today, more than one quarter of the world population lives in countries that have been sanctioned by the United States, illegally, unilaterally, and they represent one third of world GDP. And this was admitted even by the US Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, who did an interview on CNN in which she acknowledged that constant US sanctions And weaponization of the dollar quote could undermine the hegemony of the dollar those are her words she acknowledged that the dollar is hegemonic and that sanctions are undermining that a big wake-up call for countries around the world was when the Western powers seized 300 billion dollars worth of foreign exchange reserves held by the Russian Central Bank in foreign bank accounts and In 2023, the U.S. has been pushing to steal those $300 billion from Russia, from the Russian people, and to use that money to fund Ukraine to wage the proxy war against Russia. This attempt to use stolen Russian reserves to fund Ukraine has frightened a lot of countries, including longtime Western allies, because they're concerned they could be next, The U.S. and European countries also seized the foreign exchange reserves of Venezuela, including more than a billion dollars of Venezuelan gold held in the Bank of England. The U.S. also seized the foreign exchange reserves of the Afghan Central Bank, which is unleashing an economic crisis in Afghanistan and potentially a famine. And the U.S. seized the foreign exchange reserves of Iran's Central Bank. So many countries are saying, well, if we hold dollars, those dollars can be seized if we carry out a political policy that Washington doesn't like show we should gradually over time de-dollarize and hold alternative currencies and other commodities in our reserves. One of those commodities is gold. And the Wall Street Journal reported in 2023, quote, central banks look to increase gold reserves as geopolitical worries mount. And by geopolitical worries, they mean the possibility of the U.S. and Europe stealing any U.S. dollar or Euro-denominated assets held by foreign central banks. Now, on the issue of central banks, another very important issue in 2023 was inflation. Inflation also was a big issue in 2022, but in 2023, the U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, took an extraordinary measure And it increased interest rates at the fastest pace since the famous Volcker shock of the early 1980s. And this came after 15 years of very low, almost zero interest rates. And this had severe economic consequences, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Now, when the U.S. raises interest rates, it has an impact on the entire world economy precisely because of the hegemony of the U.S. dollar. The dollar is still the most commonly used currency in international trade and investment. It's the most held currency in foreign exchange reserves despite its decline in its dominance over time. And this has you know, led to the discussions of the exorbitant privilege of the US. The US is the only country that can print its currency, the dollar, and therefore it can print that currency to maintain a massive current account deficit, a massive trade deficit with the rest of the world importing energy and commodities and technologies. And this is why economists have a phrase I like to say, when the U.S. sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. And the United Nations published an important report in 2023 titled, A World of Debt, A Growing Burden to Global Prosperity. This report acknowledged that developing countries have been hard hit by exogenous crises, the geopolitical conflicts around the world, and this has made it very difficult for many of these countries to service their US dollar denominated debt because they cannot print the dollar, and as interest rates rose in the US, it made it more difficult for them to get dollars and the exchange rate of the currencies of many of these countries was hit quite hard because their currencies depreciated against the US dollar, which made it even more difficult to pay off their dollar-denominated debt, and it made it very expensive to import needed commodities like energy, like oil and gas, or food, and especially food became more expensive because Ukraine and Russia are some of the world's largest producers of wheat and corn. Meanwhile, the UN report pointed out that many developing countries were pressured to take on debt from capital markets, and especially by US-dominated so-called multilateral organizations like the IMF and the World Bank. They encouraged these developing countries to take on debt by selling sovereign bonds in international capital markets. And as Those dollars have, as the U.S. Federal Reserve has raised interest rates, and those dollars have become more expensive to get access to, these countries are facing severe debt crises. And there were defaults on sovereign debt by numerous countries in Africa, including Zambia, Ghana, and Ethiopia. There are a lot of warnings that Egypt may soon default on its debt. And Argentina has been also constantly at threat of defaulting on its dollar-denominated debt. And this is another reason why for developing countries, it is very expensive to take on debt that they need in order to create infrastructure projects and invest in education and healthcare for their people and to, to decarbonize their economies and move toward green energy. And the UN acknowledged in its report that Western countries can consistently borrow at much lower rates than poor countries that need debt, that need financing the most. This has led many prominent development economists like Jomo Kwame Sundaram, who worked at the United Nations for a long time, they warned in 2023 that there are probably going to be many debt crises across the Global South. This is why in 2023, so many countries in the Global South were calling for a new International economic order, reviving these calls from the peak of the anti colonial national liberation struggles in the 60s and 70s. And we saw a clear example of this with the summit of the G77, the group of 77, that was held in Cuba in September. And at this summit, there were not just 77 countries it's called the g77 because that's how many countries there were when it was founded but today there are 134 countries in the g77 and china is an observer so together they represent the vast majority of the world population and at the summit they called for a new global order they called for changing the rules of the game and creating new economic policies and institutions so countries are not constantly trapped in debt owed in U.S. dollars to the former colonial countries that colonized them. This is why, once again, as I talked about earlier, the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, acknowledged that the world is becoming more multipolar, I think that's probably the most important takeaway of 2023, an increasingly multipolar world. And many countries in the Global South are refusing to simply subordinate their economies to the rich Western countries. And I wanna briefly talk about Brazil, which is the seventh most populous country on Earth and extremely important, increasingly, politically. At the beginning of the year, Brazil's former far-right leader, Jair Bolsonaro, who was closely allied with the U.S., he fled to Florida and he spent some time living in Florida while the new leftist president, Lula da Silva, came back to power. However, despite the fact that Lula won a free and fair democratic election, he was not immediately allowed to come right back to power peacefully because Bolsonaro's far-right supporters launched a violent coup attempt in January of 2023, and that coup attempt failed, but there were numerous people in the Brazilian military who were involved in the coup attempt. And almost immediately after he came back to power, Lula turned up the heat and he returned Brazil back to a non-aligned foreign policy, a global south oriented foreign policy, and Lula gave multiple speeches in which he called for the end to the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Then in April, Lula took a historic trip to China and he met with Chinese President Xi Jinping and they signed numerous political and economic agreements. This was very important because Lula had also taken a trip to the U.S., but he only visited the U.S. for one day, whereas he visited China for four days. And in the U.S., Lula did not sign any agreements. In China, he signed dozens of agreements and... Lula also visited the headquarters of the BRICS Bank, which I mentioned earlier, the New Development Bank, which is based in Shanghai. And the NDB, the New Development Bank, is now led by Lula's ally, the former leftist Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff. And in a fiery speech at the headquarters of the BRICS Bank, Lula called for an end to US dollar dominance and he called for de-dollarization. This has been a popular refrain during Lula's term. He has repeatedly called for de-dollarization and he also called for South America to create its own currency to do trade um, between countries in Latin America so they're not dependent on the U.S. dollar. And therefore, by the way, so they can't simply be sanctioned by the United States like Venezuela was.